Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. You know, when I was preparing for this, I just felt God say, you've got to demonstrate the Father. So I'm going to... So that's where I'm at, really. One of the things that, that I care about just so much is caring for his heart and caring for what he cares about. And as, and as I was preparing for this, I, I felt like the land was groaning. I felt like the land was groaning for fathers. <laughs> that like fatherhood has just been trapped in the earth. <laughs> Father, we just release them. We release your heart. <laughs> we just release your father heart. Just from the land, from this area. We just release it. <laughs> Father, just pray you'd soak the land. Just soak the land with your love. Now just pray for restoration of families. You would restore, Father, the... Godly fatherhood in this in this region and in this land. So in 1 Samuel 2, verse 3, it says this, But I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul. And that, that just sums me up. That's what I want for my life. I want to do what's in the Father's heart and in his soul. Hmm. I got curious about something. I just want to share this. Um, it's in 1 Samuel 3, um, and as I was preparing, I, I read quite a bit of Samuel and this, the story, and it's just fascinating. But one of the things is that I found here was that there were three things that struck me. It says, and the boy ministered to Samuel before the Lord and under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. Um, and at the time, Eli's sons are, are, are misbehaving quite drastically um, and um, to the point where God is going to take away a promise from Eli and his family. And I've never seen that in the Bible, that a promise would be revoked. Um, but his sons are, uh, you know, just 
uh, uh, they're just desecrating sacrifices. Um, and, um, and so Eli gets a rebuke from the Lord and, and gets told what to do. Um, so all of this is going on. And what I found was fascinating was, you know, there's absolute chaos going on. And there's this young boy that's ministering before the Lord. Um, and it was almost like, you know, even when there's chaos around us, that we've just got to keep ministering to the Lord. Um, and, then, and then it goes on, uh, uh, I think it's in verse 18. And the Lord was with Samuel, and he grew up... Uh, no, didn't... That's not it. Um... Well, maybe it's not in three. Sorry, it's in two. Let's go to Samuel, First Samuel 2, and it's verse um, 11. And so his parents come, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Um, and then all this chaos is going on with his sons. And then in verse 18, but Samuel was ministering before the Lord. Um, And then in verse 21, meanwhile, the boy grew up in the presence of the Lord. And I just feel like you cannot grow unless you're in the presence of God. You know, if you want to grow in the kingdom, you've got to be in his presence. Um, but then in verse um, 26, you know, this has been going on for a while, for years probably. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. And I just thought that was uh, just a, it just, it was just really interesting that, you know, he started ministering, um, then he started growing in the, and then he started growing in the presence of God, and then he grew in, in favor and stature with men. I just thought that was, um, it just really kind of, I just thought that was amazing, amazing that. Um, um, you know, I'm, so I'm talking about encountering the Father. Um, there are basically, well I, well, I kind of think there are two types of encounter. There are ones where God sends you on a mission, and there are ones where he just connects your heart to his heart. Um, and, um, and I just kind of, I just believe that encountering the Father is for everybody. It's, you know, it's just, it's, um, yeah, and it's just a continual thing. You know, it, it just, it's a daily kind of, you know, just, just being in constant connection with the Father. Um, and um, yeah, I think one of the stories that's fascinated me as I prepared for this is the story of Moses. Um, I have at times felt like I've let God down and failed God, um, but I've never murdered anybody. Um, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Um, and so I just, I find that, you know, like, I mean, how did Moses deal with that? You, you know, that, you know, you know, because that, you know, and, and you, sometimes you read these guys in the Bible and you think they didn't have issues, um, you know, um, but, uh, you know, but it kind of, what I kind of felt with, with Moses was that, um, you know, he just had this, this huge sense of injustice inside of him. He just could not stand injustice. Um, and I think it's in all of us, but in Moses, God just wound the dial up to max. You know, that on the, 
you know, on those gauges where it goes red, you know, it was just wound up really, really high. And, uh, and so Moses is just born with this huge sense of injustice, and he one day sees an injustice against the Hebrews, and he just can't help himself but get involved. Um, and uh, ends up killing the guy. I'm sure he didn't go out intentionally to kill him, but, you know, it just, he just got a bit carried away. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that sense of injustice that God gave him, that got him into trouble, but it also got him out of trouble, and it also brought him into huge favor. Um, and I felt sometimes God get, puts things inside of us, and they just have the tendency to get us in a little bit of trouble. Um, and our natural reaction is to withdraw from that because it gets us in trouble. But actually, it's their God-given characteristics, their God-given things. Um, and uh, I get the impression that Moses was a fairly inf fiery, impulsive kind of, kind of guy. You know, he just... And uh, then there's Peter as well that comes to mind, a fairly fiery, impulsive kind of guy. And then you've got the Sons of Thunder. And I just get the impression that God likes hanging around fiery, impulsive people. <laughs> but one of the things that I really love about what, what God says to Moses is this. He says, in Exodus 3, 7 to 8, he says, The Lord says, I have in fact seen the afflictions the suffering, the desolation of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmaster, for I know their pain and suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand, the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a land that is good, spacious, to a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, and I just felt God say, you know, I've seen your suffering, and I, you know, and I've seen your oppression, um, and I've got a plan to come and rescue you. And I just felt like that he's saying that to me and he's saying that to everybody. Yeah, and you, Phil. <laughs> um, and the thing that I love is that, you know, the plan was Moses. I'm going to sit you in the palace from day one. And I know you're going to have an abandonment issue. And I know you're going to have a few anger issues, but we can deal with those. But, you know, I, I, um, and I'm going to raise you up. Um, and, uh, and he did. And then... And I just think that's amazing. I, I just think it's such a, a, a story of redemption, you know, that, you know, that he, he would just, you know, just do that. And I mean, I think there's a couple of those other stories that I really love. And one of them is, you know, Peter's, um, you know, when Peter denies Jesus three times and then Jesus meets him on the beach and just restores him, which I think is incredible. Because Peter was a man of great courage, but yet he had this moment where he just did what he didn't want to do. Um, and he just let God down, and he knew it. And God just restores him, and he restored that courage inside of him, because it later on says, you know, he, he ended up dying for, dying for Jesus. Um, sorry, I just need a tissue. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Alan said not to perform, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get the real version. Snot <laughs> <laughs> <Not> and all. <laughs> 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 
it is amazing this place you know it's just, <laughs> just it is it's just it's just family you know i just yeah it's great <laughs> so yeah going back to moses so right, so this sense of injustice it gets him in trouble he murders a guy and then it gets him into favor so he murders this guy pharaoh finds out and he and he, he goes he goes on the run and he finds himself in a by a well probably having a bit of a moan thinking what on earth have i just done um i really have messed this one up and uh then um uh these seven daughters turn up at the well trying to draw water out and uh, the shepherds come along and say um and try and push these these women away and moses sense of injustice rises and he defends them they uh they then go back to their father with all the water really quickly in the day. And he's like, why are you here so early? Well, this man came to our rescue. Um, well, where is he? Bring him here. And, uh, Moses, and so he then offers um, one of his daughters in marriage to, uh, you know, to Moses. And Moses ends up spending 40 years with Jethro, who was a priest, just learning. And I, I'm guessing dealing with his abandonment issues and murder issues. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and getting healed up and getting to a place where he was ready to receive the mission that God had for him. Um, and so then he has this burning, and then he has his burning bush moment. Um, and I'm going to read this. It's Exodus 3, uh, 1 to 9. Now Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Herob, the, mount of, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing, appeared to him in a blazing flame of fire, from the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was on fire, yet it was not consumed. So Moses said, "I must turn away and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned up?" When the Lord saw that he turned away from the flock to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, "Moses, Moses!" And he said, "Here I am." Then God said, "Do not come near." Take your sandals off your feet, because the place you are standing is holy ground. He then said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have in fact seen the afflictions and, and suffering of my people. Um, you know, part of me thinks in that that Moses got a bit curious about this bush that was burning. Um, but not burning. And I feel that we need to get curious about God. You know, there are certain things we just, we need to get curious about. If Moses hadn't got curious and he just passed, he could have, it would have, that moment would have passed by. Um, and I just feel like we need to get curious. We just need to kind of question, you know, what are you doing, God? Why are you doing that? And, and I just feel that sometimes our breakthroughs and our, our encounters are just, just, just a curiosity, just a, you know, a way, you know, um, I also find it fascinating that the burning bush moment was outside the camp. Um, it wasn't, it, and it was like a, I almost feel like these moments with God are like one-to-one. -one. They're like connecting your heart to his heart. Um, but what I also found fascinating was when, he did, when Moses did take the Israelites out of Egypt, his, his tent of meeting, which is where he connected with God, was also outside the camp as well. Um, and I also thought it was quite interesting that he almost like he returned to that first encounter with God, that that, at that place, the physical place of being outside away in the quiet, he, he set that whole, that process up just so he could, he could do that. Um, 
And sometimes I feel like we need to return to where we first met God, you know? And, you know, like it's our watering hole. Um, I, um, I was brought up in the church, so I, I kind of always knew about God. I always, you know, I just always had that knowledge of God. Um, but I had, a, a, I had um, the revelation of Jesus when I was 19, and I just met Jesus, you know. Um, I didn't see his face, but, I mean, it was just like he was there. There was just no denying it. And I just had this, just this radical um, encounter with Jesus. And I, sometimes when you grow up in the church, you feel like those radical moments are, are for the really, for the sinners, you know. Um, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, Alan was really bad. Uh, <laughs> I stole raisins from my mum's pantry, but I mean, uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, but, but when I, when I got saved, when I had that encounter, one of the things that uh, really opened that up for me was worship, um, and was soaking, um, to Kevin Prosh, uh, and, um, and, and even now, I just love worship, you know, in the, in the house. Um, Aaron and Rachel will be testimony to that. We, I deafen the neighbors, and I deafen them with, you know, Jason Upton and the Helsers. Um, Henrik even listens to the Helsers now as well. And the, the volume goes up when Lara goes out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, for me, that's, that's, my, that's me returning to where I first encountered God, is, is to go back to, to worship and just to... Just to, um, you know, and I guess that's why I love worship here, you know. It was great today. It was amazing. Um, Yeah, I guess I've said this a bit, but, you know,
I think I'm going to share just a little bit about my journey in terms of, you know, being touched by God and, and just receiving, you know, the Father's touch because I found it really quite a difficult process that I've gone through and I, I just wanted to share that. Um, I met Jesus when I was 19, but I first encountered the Holy Spirit when I was about 14 or 15 um, in a Soul Survivor camp. Um, and um, and then between those periods, between the ages of 14, 15, and 19, my faith was a, a little bit wayward, let's say. Um, and, um, and I had that encounter um, when I was 19, when I, I met Jesus. And then I moved to Plymouth. We went to I went to university there. Um, and uh, we joined a uh, Partners in Harvest church. Um, and um, they would r quite regularly, like every week really, just have people up the front for pray um, and, and I would just never get touched by God um, it was it was you know I'd have all my friends just getting zapped and whacked and getting you know and me nothing and and it was it was really painful and, and I just felt like God had rejected me um, and, I, and I didn't know why I'd, I could go back and lie and listen to Kevin Prosh and soak and get but I couldn't when I stood up at church I just got nothing and, and I just remember just feeling just rejected um, by God and just feeling horrible inside. Um, so we were married at the time, and I, and I just said, well, why don't we go to Toronto? Because that was where I first met the Holy Spirit. It was as a result of the, the, the Toronto blessing. So I thought, if I can't get the Holy Spirit, like in Toronto, well, I'm never going to get it. So, um, so we went to our pastors and said, you know, we'd like to go, thinking we'd go for a week. He said, well, why don't you do the leaders' school? It's three and a half weeks. So uh, we thought, because all I wanted to do was to get the Holy Spirit. I wasn't there for anything else. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't tell him that. <laughs> I came up with a very spiritual reason why I needed to go. <laughs> He's got to sign the form, so, you know. <laughs> so we went and... Um, and uh, and I didn't really pay any attention to the title of the course. I just, because I was just, I just wanted to receive the Holy Spirit. I was just, that was all I wanted. And, um, and Lara just came along. I, I don't, <laughs> don't know what you... <laughs> so, but when we arrived, I just remember feeling so inadequate because there was, it was just full of pastors from all around the world, you know. Um, and there was us that, you know, <laughs> had done nothing. <laughs> Um, and uh, but you know over the course of the I think that was how I felt on the first couple of days but by the end of it we just felt completely loved and welcomed and accepted and part of that team and that team of people um, and we had an incredible time I mean it was our first time that we'd, we'd been away to Toronto and it was I don't know in my probably in my memory looking back it was probably the best time Maybe the first time is always the best time. I don't know, but it was just incredible, you know. And and I think because we were surrounded by leaders, you know, that was just they just had there was just a maturity of, of people there that you know that we just got looked after like little kids, you know. And it was I mean there were these two ladies from South Carolina had these amazing accents, and um, but they just loved us, you know. They just took us under their wings like their own and just loved us. And and if it hadn't have been for um, for those for those ladies, I wouldn't have received the encounter that I got, y you know, and and it, it just 
I think when we love people and you know when we go that extra bit for people it's, it's just incredible and it just um, I haven't re- I never really realized it up up until about yesterday <laughs> <laughs> But I just, I hadn't, I hadn't realized what she'd done, you know, just by saying that, that, just dropping a little word in every now and again, you know, um, because what happened to me was the first week of that course was hearing God's voice um, with, with Mark Verkler, and he, the first day the f- in the afternoon, he, he said, well, we're going to do this journaling exercise. So we all had a pen and paper out, and he said, you know, just imagine yourself on a beach, a nice, warm, sunny beach, palm trees, and... Uh, and then just invite Jesus in. And it just broke my heart. Um, but what happened was that there's, it just revealed such pain in my heart. And it's like touching, an o- or it was, it was like touching open wounds. It was just so painful that, that, it just, that I didn't know it was there. There was just something there, just so painful. And I just shut down, and it's like walls went up, because I just didn't want that to be touched. I, didn't, I just didn't want it to be touched. And, um, and I didn't... And I th- and looking back on it, that's kind of, I think, you know, that's why I, I found it difficult to, to, receive, to receive from God. It's because there was this fear of he's going he's gonna to hurt that again. He's going to prod that again. Um, and, you know, I was, I was preparing or crying yesterday. I can't remember which. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just felt, you know, God say, you know, that's not your fault. It's, you know, when those... You know, that, that natural defense, just to let your walls... And I just felt God say, it's not your fault, you know. And, and over the last 10 years, he's just, he's just done little by little by little, you know. Um, and, um, and I guess my testimony is that change just takes years, you know. You know, just being filled with the Holy Spirit, it just, it just takes years and years. It, 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 I mean, I had this, you know, amazing moment, and... And I guess, so what happened was, the last evening, um, we had a meal all together, and um, Carol, John and Carol were then going to pray for us, and, and we'd had an incredible time. And, and I was kind of a little bit disappointed that I hadn't kind of got my, I'd rec- I hadn't got what i come for, in a way, but we'd had this incredible time, so I kind of consoled myself with that. But on the last night, I thought, well, it's the last time, you know, it's the last opportunity, you know, John and Carol are praying for us. So, uh, but we all stood in this line, and, and I felt like a lemon again, and you know, and uh, I didn't really, I didn't receive anything, and 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 we all just hung around, you know, after that time, and, and there were a load of the the leaders that were that were young, and they were just all, you know, just wailing and screaming and rolling around the floor and just having a great time with the Holy Spirit, and one of them came up to me after about after a while and said, "I feel God's got something for you. Do you want to come over?" So I kind of stood there, sat down, and I just felt so awkward. You know, they were just, just making noises and screaming and roaring, and I just, and I was like, what am I doing here? And the lady that, that had looked after us, you know, and just mothered us, she stood me up, and she, you know, she just took my hands, and she said, um, why don't you just try? So we were flying out an hour and a half, you know, in an hour and a half's time. So I thought, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> so I don't remember making a noise, but I do remember opening my mouth. And the Holy Spirit just hit me. Just, it was like, 
I don't know, it was like a lightning bolt from heaven. It just hit me on the back of my neck and just went straight through into my core. Um, and just, it was my wham-bam moment, if you like. <laughs> um, it made the flight home really enjoyable. I was just <laughs> like... <laughs> but, um, but that, you know, and, and that's what I mean by, you know, what she did for me. You know, because she just said, you know, you know, just give it a go. And then she said to me, uh, after I got off the floor, after an hour or something, she just said, you know, you got your heart's desire. And she was absolutely spot on. And, you know, that's the father that, that I love, that he gives us our heart's desires, that he would, you know, he would do everything he possibly could to give me my heart's desire. Um, and for me, that was just, yeah, I guess for me, that was a floodgate moment. It just changed my heart. It, it changed a lie inside of me that says that God has rejected me to a God that has received me, that has done everything for me. Um, but yet it's taken 10, 15 years. I guess we went in 2003. So that's 14 years. Um, and it's just been a process of me shutting down and me then being touched by God and then me shutting down again and being touched by God. And, um, and I've just slowly got, got used to it, I think. I think for me, emotions are a massive thing. I think if I look at Moses and think, you know, God put that massive injustice thing inside of me. I think God just put a massive heart inside of me. And, um, um, uh, and, uh, and actually, part of a leader school was there was a, they, they prophesy over you, and um, one of the words that um, was prophesied over me was that I, I did have a heart after God's own heart. So, you know, it was, um, um, but yeah, for me, um, you know, that, that emotion thing I find really difficult because, uh, you know, that tends to be the manifestation that I have. <laughs> if you want that anointing, I'll pray for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we're just miserable, Alan. <laughs> um. But I, I just love that when God, God touches your heart. You know, I, I, I was working a, a week or so ago. I work as an engineer, basically in front of a computer, just doing CAD work. Um, and uh, I had um, some worship music on or a podcast on or something, I don't know. And just God, God just turned up. He just sneaked up, unannounced. And it was just like the Father was just there. And uh, it, was just, it was just amazing. And I, I, it was one of those moments... Because sometimes he touches you a little bit, and then sometimes it just, you know, you could just bask in it forever. And uh, I just had one of those moments where I couldn't work. You know, I just was like, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> and uh, it was, for me, it's like, it's like what heaven's like when the Father does that. It's like, you're just, you're so connected to his heart. It's just, it's just like being in heaven. Um, and that's what I mean, that we were just born for connection. We were just born to have that, you know, that we, just, we were just created just to be, to have father moments, to have, just to be connected with, with God. Um, and um, I guess I kind of feel that, for me, the father message is a fundamental message. It, it, it's just, you know, Jesus said he came to reveal the father. And I think sometimes our emphasis in the church has been on sin and been on the cross. Jesus' message was about the Father. Um, and I, I even think we get, we strive for signs and wonders, 
Um, uh, but I think, you know, I just want to strive for the Father. I just, if you can, strive for the Father. <laughs> but if you know what I mean, I, I guess when I was about 10 years ago, probably younger, maybe I don't know, when I first moved up here, I wanted to, I wanted to get to the end of my life and have achieved something, like I've left my mark, you know, and, I, and now I just think, oh, I just want to live my life with the Father. I just, you know, I just want to live daily, continually, just in just that presence, in that knowledge that, you know, and also just to carry his heart and care for, hi- care for what he cares for. Um, um, so I think what I'd like to do is, I, I kind of, I had a plan and, and then I got all emotional. Um, <laughs> I feel like this message is caught rather than taught. Um, So I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like, yeah, I'd like to pray for people that want to receive that Father moment, you know, that that want to carry something of God's God's heart. But I'd also... um, I kind of did this at the beginning, but it's just about praying for the land. Um, I'm not a very disciplined, logical kind of person. I kind of just... (laughs) (laughs) I thrive under chaos, really. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think I'd like to go back to releasing the fathers from the land, and I'd, I'd kind of like... I'd kind of like some help with it. I, I think if you, th- you know, if you feel like you would like to pray for the land, for the region, for fathers to be released, that we could, you know, that we we could do that as a as a corporate type of thing. You you know, I, I um, what's the best way to do this, dear? <laughs> um, so yeah. I, Well, yeah, it wasn't really a picture, but yeah, it was, I just saw the land and I just, just felt that in some way that there's something of the father heart and of fathers that's been, it's been suppressed, you know, um, and that actually it's caused the the, the land to groan and to ache. Um, And, um, and that there's, um, that the land is crying out, really, I guess, for, for a generation of fathers to be released, y- you know. Um, I guess you li- read in the media, I mean, fathering is just hammered, you know. The role of the man and the father is just hammered, but I don't think fathering is just just for men in that sense, you know. Uh, you know, it, it, it's about getting alongside people, it, you know. It's about seeing gold in people. It's about seeing, you know, it, you know it's just about training and equipping people and and I guess you know for me I'm going through this journey of how do I handle my emotion in a, in a culture that doesn't really value that you know you know how do I it, for me it's almost like my Goliath is emotion you know um, hopefully I, I've taken that down a little bit more today um, 
Um, but yeah, but it's how do we father difference? How do we look at people that are different and father them? You know, and, and, and I guess that's kind of where I just felt that there's, that there's a release um, that there. And I also kind of felt that, you know, my tears and prayers and other people's tears and prayers, it, it just softens the land. It just softens the area that it just does something. That, um, and uh, and I'm, I'm not a great gardener, but, you know, if you want to plant something, you're generally hard ground. If you water it and you soften it up with moisture, you know, it's just easier to, to plant and, 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 and to see fruit. So, yeah, I guess that's my... So. <laughs> do you want to do it, Laura? <laughs> Is that all right, Paul? Uh, I reckon, uh, am I? Yeah. yeah. I think we should both do it. Yeah, okay. Um, can we have some of the band back up, all of the band? We're kind of we're almost as far as with this. Um, I think Isabel, it's just, I think I'm into getting people stand up. Um, so Isabel, do you want to come and say your first word? So if I get the Isabel to share and get the ladies to stand up first, um, because I think it was quite significant what you said, and then we'll all stand up and pray a prayer release. Okay. As David was saying just about the land... <laughs> <laughs> had a sense that as women, we need to repent of, of pushing man out of their position. You know, if you think back, well, I can certainly remember the 60s, and feminism and all of that. And women kind of took a, a, a domination over men. And then there was like, you know, where the whole family thing broke down. And there's some children have never known a father. Some children have known lots of them. And I just felt that as women, we just needed to repent. So if that does resonate with you, then I would ask you to stand and, and just pray and just repentance. Yeah, I would go as far as to say, if you're a woman, please stand up. Um, it, it, it's not so much as you personally, but it's more of us representing women. And this is a spiritual thing that it's not you personally doing something, but we are representing something in the spiritual realm that we are breaking. Um, so, as women, we just stand here today and we just repent to you, men and fathers and brothers, of pushing you out and taking your place when we shouldn't have done. And we just honor you and say that God created you to be strong and to lead and to have a role in this land. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, it, we almost just hold, just give the baton back to you that we have stolen through political ideologies and whatever has happened, we just give you the, the honor of being the leaders in this nation, that God has given you the authority and it's men and women together that will, it's, an, it's not one or the other, but it's both. Yeah, um, yeah so now, I'd like everybody to stand up. Um, and I'll, I, because I think when David was sharing the picture, it's just so powerful. Um, so I think 
it is a corporate thing. It's an individual thing that God wants to touch your heart, but it's also a corporate thing that is happening in the spiritual realms of the lands that's being soaked. Um, yeah. Yeah, Father, would you just release over this land your heart? Would you unlock the fathers that have been hidden for a generation? Would you bring restoration just to fathers that have, and young fathers? Would you just raise up fathers, Lord? Would you just unlock the land? Yeah, Father, just unlock the land. Just allow this region just to step into its calling and its destiny. Would you just surround the land with fathering? Would you just pour your love out onto the land? Pour your love out onto the people. Would you just let your river flow? I just pray, Lord, that you would restore your connection with your people. Individually, Father, you would just restore our individual connection to you. That the body would know that they belong to you. That we could share your heart with just the region and the people and our neighbors and our work colleagues that you would deposit something in us that would just overflow. That we could love like you love. That we could forgive like you forgive. We could serve like you served. Mm. 